Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. Now your host, Timothy George. Welcome to today's Beeson Podcast. Well, today we're trying something we've never done before on the Beeson Podcast. I have three distinguished scholars here in the studio. And they're all going to join me in a conversation about a brand new book called The Baptist Story from English Sect to Global Movement. The three scholars are Dr. Anthony L. Shute, we'll call him Tony, uh, Dr. Nathan A. Finn, and Dr. Michael A.G. Haken. Tony teaches at California Baptist University, Nathan at Union University, and Michael at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Now, the first question I want to ask is, how did you three guys ever get together, and why did you write such a book? Well, I think um, it goes back to Michael and I talking one day. We had met, and I, I think it was at a convention or an ETS meeting, mm-hmm. and we were had just met and were talking about Baptist resources, and we came to the conclusion we didn't uh, necessarily like what we were using. We thought maybe we could contribute something of our own. In the conversation, I think for us two started there. Nathan may have something to chime in there too, because he had a different part in this before. That's right. Michael and I were also having a conversation. There was an, an earlier aborted attempt, uh, attempt at a textbook that included, I think, as many as four different people that yes. the publisher was talking about, and that never really got off the ground. But we talked about it off and on for a couple of years, and so then these ideas sort of merged together into this being the textbook, and I think it's. Uh, the better textbook than what might have been. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to get into the book in a minute uh, and the story. It's interesting you use the word story uh, for this book. Uh, but I, first of all, I want to ask you a question, a simple question, which it may not be so simple to answer, but please answer in just a couple of sentences because this podcast doesn't go all that long. Why are you a Baptist? I was raised uh, Roman Catholic and uh, converted in uh, 1974 in a Baptist congregation. Um, Deeply frustrated by the context in which I was converted because when I began to ask people, uh, who are we? Nobody had a clue. (laughs) Uh, We're Bible people, which is great. Uh, And I wrestled. I honestly wrestled for about eight years or so uh, uh, that God had saved me in a Baptist congregation. And you're from Canada, right? I'm a Canadian. So this was in Uh, Canada. Yeah, among people who had really no interest or idea of who they were. And it was only in the, I'd begun teaching at Central Baptist Seminary, as it was called then in Toronto, and I was asked to teach a course in Baptist history. Mm. And I suddenly discovered a heritage. Mm. I became a Baptist by following a Baptist girl to a Baptist church. Ah. So that's how I, my story starts. A Baptist starts. girl in a Baptist church. Yes, I was dating, uh, who's now my wife, Connie. And um, that's where I became a Christian, attending uh, the services, coming in the preaching of the word, the conviction of the Lord. And felt a call to ministry. I went to a Baptist college. And I think that's where I started to figure out what a Baptist really was, not just by sight, but also intellectually what a Baptist was, and found out that I was in agreement with it. Mm. So that's how it started. That's where I'm at. I was raised in the Disciples of Christ tradition, and there was a controversy in our home church whenever I was in the middle of high school. And so my parents left looking for a new church and literally joined the Baptist church because it had the biggest youth group in town. (laughs) And I was youth group age, and my younger brother was soon to be youth group age. And so we became Baptist by controversy and then became Baptist by conviction as we learned what they taught. I I ask you that question because you each have a Baptist story to tell. 
But in this book, you're talking about the Baptist story. And I'm glad you used that particular article, the. Uh, a lot of people don't like that word with reference to this subject, a Baptist story, many Baptist stories. And of course, those are true. But for some reason, you, you think there is a cohesiveness, a unity that allows you to say the Baptist story. What's that about? Well, I think we use the definite article because we do see the cohesiveness, and we are trying to address as many Baptist movements as we can. One thing we say in the introduction is this is not the final Baptist story, but it is the Baptist story. It's not just Southern Baptist or Seventh-day Baptist or Free Will Baptist. We're trying to get the big global Baptist story in there. So there's a story to tell, and it's a narrative form. Uh, we wanted to have more than just facts and figures. We wanted some um, illustrations in there and some conversations that would be interesting, not just for historians, but also for students. Mm. And the final chapter, which deals with uh, what are Baptist beliefs, I, you know, what is a Baptist identity, is based on the fact that we do think that running through all of those different narratives, those different experiences, uh, the global experience of Baptists, obviously, in the 20th century, there is a continuity, there is a unity that holds Baptists together. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to ask you about... Um, giving us an overview, because you, this does kind of flow. It's a narrative history. Uh, tell us, if you're dividing Baptist history, when did, when did Baptist start, uh, and what are some of the major landmarks along the way? Well, we, the three of us are definitely of the conviction that the Baptist tradition started uh, at the beginning of the 17th century, around 1608 or I'm so glad you said that. I mean, some people want to take it back to the Reformation and to the uh, Anabaptists, and we love the Anabaptists, but you guys got it right. Well, we, we are fans of the Anabaptists. We just don't think they're Baptists. Yeah. And so while there are certainly uh, some similar groups at various times, the modern Baptist movement is an offshoot of radical Puritanism. Uh, in the English-speaking world and in Holland, and that's where we wanted to begin our story, though we did give, I think, a friendly nod and shout-out uh, to our friends who would have other perspectives on that. Yeah. yeah, we wanted to restrain ourselves from having a theological perspective that we were trying to accomplish. We wanted to be historians first, Yeah. and so right. we wanted to trace the historical continuity first. And right. There's a theological thread there, but we don't want to spread that theological thread too thin. Yeah. Okay, uh, so who was the first Baptist? John. Smith. Uh, <laughs> not John the Baptist. Well played. Very good. I'm glad you clarified that. Right. Because, of course, we're talking here about a view of Baptist history that we sometimes call uh, landmarkism, or we sometimes call it the, the trail of blood. One of you describe that and say why you think there are some deficiencies in that way of seeing it. Sure. We, we understand that there are people who want to trace back Baptist to John the Baptist. He wasn't a Methodist or an Episcopalian. He was John the Baptist. But again, the historical thread and finding out where Baptists actually come from is important to us. The landmark movement asserted that churches are primarily Baptist churches. This was the church Jesus founded, Jesus started. And I think history tells us otherwise. Theology also tells us otherwise. So we're careful not to go in that direction, even though as, as a Baptist telling the global Baptist story, we want to include those brothers and sisters and say they made an important impact and contribution to Baptist life, but they were a bit skewed in their understanding of it. Now, the way you divided this book into the three sections primarily devoted to the 
story, the narrative of Baptist history, each of you kind of took a lead role in writing it. Mm-hmm. Why, why don't you begin uh, and summarize, each of you, the part that you particularly played in these three phases, let's call them, epochs of Baptist history, starting with Michael. Well, I did the early part, which begins, as we've, we've indicated, in the 17th century and carried that story up to roughly 1800. That's, in some ways, the easiest story to tell. At that point, Baptists are uh, certainly a minority movement uh, for much of that period of time. They begin in Britain. You've got uh, three strains. You've got General Baptists, who are Arminian theologically, particular Baptist Calvinistic, and then Seventh-day Baptists, who are also uh, Calvinistic. And then in the, in the states that's replicated in the, in, in the states, up until the Great Awakening, uh, Baptists in America are very, very small, struggling. Uh, the Great Awakening, uh, particularly the ministry of George Whitfield, gives them that impetus. Then the Second Great Awakening is obviously critical in terms of their, their massive growth. And even though Whitfield himself wasn't a Baptist, he was an Anglican, but he was well-received by well, Baptists, wasn't gen- he? Well-received by Baptists generally in the States, well, becomes the States, American colonies. In Britain, it was not so, at least initially, probably for about 50 years. It was only after his death that you have a number of men coming forward who are being converted under Whitfield. And there is the, the embrace of what we would describe as a, kind of an evangelicalism. And so in some ways, that's the, the easier story to tell uh, because it, it doesn't involve the, the enormous amount of material. But it's a very, very important story because it lays the foundations. Uh, congregational church government, uh, believers' baptism, the importance of associations, and then at the end of the 18th century, the emergence of very, very clear commitment to missions. And my section picks up on that, the 19th century. Um, this is basically Baptists with doors wide open. Opportunities are before them. They don't have structures in place yet, but they're able to get started. And I was really impressed in studying this, how they did so much with so little. So they're thinking about missions, as Michael has said. They don't have uh, huge organizations to send missionaries out yet. They're mostly local churches sending out missionaries, uh, sending out preachers, associations sending out preachers. They've yet to come to state conventions or national conventions or national convention, they can actually send missionaries forth in a more uh, organized way. Uh, you've got the emphasis on educational institutions. This becomes the, the time which Baptists are really concerned about falling behind intellectually. Uh, they want to train pastors. They've got such wide growth, it's hard to have enough pastors to keep up with it all. And they begin to organize educational institutions for you know the training of Baptist pastors specifically. And then you have the antis, the anti-mission movements, who are you know against all these newfangled notions of conventions and mission societies and so forth. Uh, you have the anti-educational crowd who, who don't believe that a pastor has to go to school. Uh, he's called of God, go preach now. Just read the Bible. And so Baptists are contending with that. And then you have, as we said, the landmarkism, uh, the movements there that put a halt on some of the Baptist expansion and growth because they have to deal with these controversies. So you have an open door at the beginning of the century, and then you have a lot of controversies in the middle and that leads to a number of transitions and trends that I close with at the end, um, where David Bendick, for example, wistfully looks back at the good old days of the early century and sees the, the world just changing before him. Yeah. So, 
All right, Nathan. So Michael ends his section with, uh, with the beginning of the modern missions movement, and Tony references sort of the growth of that. I begin my section with the formation of the Baptist World Alliance to signify that uh, that global movement part of our subtitle is really becoming a reality by the 20th century, and it, it gets harder and harder to stick with one Baptist story as there's a proliferation of sub-stories. And so if, if Michael thinks he might have had the easiest section, I am very <laughs> confident uh, that mine was very difficult. It was hard to, hard to uh, condense in about 100 pages that and, sort of history. And you were writing about the living, not just the dead. And I'm writing about the That's living, hard. and there's always, there's always <laughs> issues with that. And so trying to find a way to hit on some of these stories that, honestly, we still there's so much we still don't know right. about some of these mm-hmm. Baptists in the majority world. Uh, but trying to just get a handle on that, I, I think it could have easily been 300 pages. 100 was enough. Uh, unfortunately, I think what my section loses a little bit of is some of the particularity. But I do think we get the broad strokes of what's happening with Baptists mm-hmm. worldwide. Now, I want to do something on the podcast. Uh, you, you see these shows where they do lightning rounds. Mm-hmm. Somebody throws out a name, and you give a one-sentence response to it. I'm going to do that. And you'll all be familiar. So anybody wants to chime in on these names, these are great names in Baptist history that maybe not all of our listeners know because mm-hmm. not all of our listeners are Baptists. So we want to acquaint them with this world, your world, my world. So I'm going to start with Benjamin Keach. Uh, Benjamin Keach is probably most famous for being a pioneer of, uh, of hymnody, arguing for the importance of hymnody in uh, Baptist worship or in worship in general. And uh, he comes before Watts, and uh, really Watts builds on, uh, Isaac Watts builds on his, uh, on his legacy. All right. Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Well, not enough time given to him in the book, being the prince of preachers that he is, but always a fascinating read, um, gifted by God to be truly a prince of preachers. He doesn't earn that title lightly. He, he truly lives up to it. Um, English Baptist pastor, um, a wordsmith, a gracious man, heart for God, hands in everything with the church, uh, appropriately born on a Sunday, mm. and, and, and uh, just um, a gift of God to the church. Martin Luther King, Jr. Pastor and prophet who the Lord raised up to speak truth into power uh, from his pulpit. I think most people would consider him to be an activist. Dr. King would have said he's just a Baptist preacher who cares about doing justice and loving mercy. This is going great. I want to try it again. Andrew Fuller. (laughs) Andrew Fuller is uh, really the father of modern missions in many respects. Uh, He lays the theological foundations uh, for William Carey's mission. Uh, A kind of hyper-Calvinism had uh, stagnated many Baptist churches. Uh, Fuller breaks that and enables the Baptists to move ahead into missions. And he's Jonathan Edwards getting baptism right. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that definition. Andrew Fuller is Jonathan Edwards getting baptism right, says Dr. Nathan Finn. That's right. All right. Uh, I can't ask Fuller without asking John Gill. Yeah. Uh, Gill shoulders a lot of blame uh, for the stagnation of evangelism in Baptist life. Still out on that. A lot of people debate whether or not he is to fully blame for that. But the idea of eternal justification... Uh, the anti-missions movement appealed to him considerably, but still a great writer, uh, deep thinker, and I'm sure he's in heaven. May I add? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Gill is uh, critical also. He f- produces the first critical commentary in the entire New uh, Scriptures right. uh, by any English-speaking writer. And his defense of the Trinity That's in right. the Age of the Enlightenment That's enables right. the particular Baptists to maintain Christian orthodoxy. So that yeah. when the fire of revival comes, there are coals to burn. Hmm. Yeah. Billy Graham. 
the most important Baptist of the 20th century whenever we think about the global Baptist story. Uh, transcends being Baptist, uh, evangelist, movement builder, uh, someone who the Lord uses to win millions of people to faith in Christ and has probably preached before more people than anyone else in history. Lottie Moon. Still an active figure in Baptist life. Uh, we still have offerings in her name, uh, and rightly so. I think it's a good reminder that the Baptist story is not just about men. For those who have women. never heard of Lottie Moon, yeah. tell us who she was missionary and what she did. Missionary to China, uh, served there for uh, much of her life, and impacted the world for Christ. Yeah. Well, I, this is fun. I could go on a lot longer, but maybe we've given people that the Baptist story uh, has lots of stories within it mm-hmm. of remarkable people, flawed sinners, saved by God's grace, who did remarkable things. You know, another Baptist I didn't ask you about that's very dear to my heart is William Carey, Mm -hmm. who made the famous statement, attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. Mm -hmm. And he put the expect before the attempt. Expect great things, attempt great things. And while that's certainly true of Carey, who was a missionary to India, Mm -hmm. left England in 1793 and stayed in India until his death, in 1834. Uh, nonetheless, this is a story that uh, percolates all through all the, all the continents, all the countries of the world today, so that now Baptists can be found in every culture and every clime. Now, I want to ask you to come to that last chapter where you really talk about what it means to be a Baptist. You talk about uh, some of the Baptist beliefs that are important to us. We've already alluded to some of them, but each of you take a Baptist belief you'd like to hold up for consideration among all of God's people. What's distinctive about the Baptist tradition? Well, we're Congregationalists. Uh, We believe that uh, the infilling of the Spirit in every believer enables them to participate uh, in the life of the local church, and that uh, the leadership of the local church obviously is vital. Leadership has always been vital. But that doesn't mean that God's people should not have a say in the governance of their own local church, etc. And so congregationalism, I think before we are a Baptist, we are first congregationalists. Great. One of the things that attracted me to the Baptist movement, apart from my wife going to Baptist church, the conviction that I had. Which was very attractive to you. That was wonderful. (laughs) Thank God for her. Uh, But was the idea of religious liberty part part of the idea of allowing people to come to their conclusions about what their faith should be. So let them be Catholic, let them be Turk, let them be Jew, as we've heard Baptist stories before. Whatever it is, we, the king cannot command faith. Now what you just quoted Thomas was Hellis. from Thomas Helwes. Right. Tell us that story. Just writing, writing the flyleaf of, of, of his book to King James, <laughs> no, no small man, but telling him directly that he has no power to save souls. He must let Baptists worship freely, but not just Baptists. Baptists weren't arguing just for themselves to have freedom of worship. They thought the whole marketplace should be open to ideas, which leads to Baptists becoming very missionary and evangelically minded. The state doesn't support the church, therefore the church has to get converts. We do so in obedience to Christ, not to the king. And we might say Helwes was imprisoned. He was imprisoned. He died in prison, we think. His wife, Joan, was left behind with seven children and no support. So this was a a costly discipleship. We've had our fair share of Baptist prisoners, you know, uh, John Bunyan, you know, Thomas Helways, Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. And we've had people who suffered for their faith for being Baptist. I think for me it's uh, 
the believer's church idea uh, is, is at the core of Baptist identity. I think that's the a key variation that the Baptists bring to the Congregationalist tradition, and those instincts were within Congregationalism, uh, but by wedding together uh, a, a strong sense of conversion uh, with a strong sense of covenantal church membership and requiring believers' baptism, uh, what we see is an effort to model the sort of believers' church pattern that we see in the New Testament in the Baptist churches. And so even though we're called the Baptists, I think at the core, it's that uh, free believers' church is who we are in our identity. One more question. What is the future of the Baptist movement? Well, you know, they stone people who get these sorts of things wrong in the Bible. <laughs> I think, I'll I think, play this back in 10 years yeah, and right. we'll see if you got it right. So I think in some ways the Baptist movement has become somewhat less distinctive and yet simultaneously more common. And so we see uh, Baptistic Christianity thriving all over the world. People like Mark Nolan, Philip Jenkins would speak to the generally sort of low church, free church, believers church pattern of global Christianity. Uh, but at the same time, sort of uh, full-throated convictional Baptistness is getting a little bit more difficult to thrive in a post-denominational age. And so in some ways we might be victims of our own success when it comes mm. to the Baptist understanding of the church. Tony? Good. Well, I think in a more generic way, the Baptist story, the book that we've written together, uh, will have extra chapters until the Lord returns. I think the Baptist movement, uh, because it's so widespread, because it has gone global, um, I, I do think the ideas behind the Baptists, even though other people will disagree with us and say that Baptists aren't, uh, the Baptist perspective is not our perspective, I think we've made our mark in the world, and I think we will continue to expand and grow. Uh, how that looks like, I'm a historian, not a prophet, so I don't know. <laughs> I'd probably echo the uh, Tony's remark about being a historian, not a prophet. And historians don't make uh, the best of prophets. Uh, I think uh, there definitely has, again, to, to pick up on what Nathan has said, there's been a Baptistification of evangelicalism. I think that's a term that Martin Marty used right. mm -hmm. yeah. in either an article. It must have been an article in Christian Century. That's right. uh, so that's there has been a general recognition, I think, of the rightness of our of our principles. Uh, I think we face some major challenges, in, especially in the Western world. I think the drift is away from a congregationalism uh, towards um, leadership patterns that tend to be uh, more focused on you know, the leaders making all the decisions. I think many of God's people are getting to a point where they're, they're happy for if they've got a solid preacher uh, to let him make the decisions or to let a coterie of individuals around him. And I think that's dangerous. Mm. And so I think, uh, and then especially the issue of religious liberty. Mm. Uh, we have stood for that in the past, and I think uh, that's going to be a very pressing issue in years to come, and we have a great contribution to make. I could, could I add one more sure. thing, if you don't mind? On the, um, in, on the dedicatory page, we listed our professors, people that we wanted to acknowledge had taught us the Baptist story. You were one of them, and uh, we, we've all learned from you. We mm -hmm. appreciate your work. Yep. But we've also taught students in the time that we've been professors and, and authors and so forth. So we expect someday our students will be writing books about Baptist history, the, the days we've yet to see. The Baptist Story, From English Sect to Global Movement. I've been talking with the three authors of this brand new book from Broadman and Holman. Tony Shute, who teaches at California Baptist University. Nathan Finn, who is the dean of the School of Ministry. Theology and Missions. School of Theology and Missions at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee, and Dr. Michael Haken, who teaches at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville. 
three wonderful historians, deeply committed to Jesus Christ and his church, and you've done a great job with this new book. I wish you well, and I wish it well. Thank you for this conversation. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast with host Timothy George. You can subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at our website, BeesonDivinity.com. Beeson Divinity School is an interdenominational evangelical divinity school training men and women in the service of Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast will aid and encourage your work, and we hope you will listen to each upcoming edition of the Beeson Podcast.